<laughs> That's Deck of Books at the Bryant Corner Cafe. I think I did not say that last week. At the Bryant Corner Cafe. A very quiet uh, afternoon at the Bryant Corner Cafe. I'm Steve Scherer. I'm Nancy Pearl, and I think it's quiet because all the cookies, half-price cookies, are gone. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Judy Ostro. Jenny Capella. Jennifer Collins-Fredericks. Katie Sewell. Nancy, I had this list of Southern writers, and because uh, we were going to talk about Southern writers, and uh, you went through it and said, it <laughs> <laughs> makes these people Southern writers. Here's Ron Rash. He was born in Chester, South Carolina. Jasmine Ward. She was born in Delisle, Mississippi. Kevin Wilson. Mm, doesn't even say where he's born, but he had a debut novel. He lives in Suwanee, Tennessee. But you were having some trouble with some of these folks. I was having trouble with some of those, with some of those people because I just don't see, I, I don't see what makes them Southern writers. I think when you're a Southern, when I think when we talk about Southern writers, we're talking about writers whose books exemplify the contra- the history and contradictions and past and present of of the South. And Ron Rash definitely is a Southern writer uh, and somebody well worth reading. I think that um, another writer on that list is Kevin Wilson. And uh, Kevin Wilson, I believe, teaches at Sewanee, I, I, I think. But his novel, um, The Family Fang, that's not a Southern, a Southern writer. When I, when I think about Southern novelists, I think about um, uh, Eudora Welty, who is so, I mean, I don't hear people talking about Eudora Welty anymore. So I just want to be sure that you're not just being uh, temporally prejudiced. <laughs> like, they're Southern writers because you read them when you were young. Like, Faulkner's a Southern writer, and this guy can't be. No, I am not. I can assure you of, of that. So, contemporary Southern writers, uh, Gail Godwin, um, uh, Lee Smith, wonderful, just wonderful. Uh, Tim Gautreau, who is uh, a, a oh, New Orleans a Cajun novelist, I believe. Uh, just amazing. But they're dealing, I mean, th- there's something, it, and it's interesting, and I don't know that I can separate out what it is, but um, Anne Pancake is one of the one of the writers on that list and and absolutely i mean her 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 short stories which i her new collection of short stories which i just finished um um reading is it, 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 they're set in small west virginia hill you know uh towns and what it's like you know they give you a sense of what it's like to be part of that it's like australian writers so australian writers are always going to have to deal in some way with the fact that a australia was settled by convicts and b you know that whole aboriginal issue i mean you have to grapple with that so in the south you have to grapple with the fact that they lost the civil war you know i mean it has to show up in some way uh, by the way, Ann Pancake, she made that name up, right? No, 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 no. She did not. There is a, here's what I understand from, from I, I did meet a member of the Pancake family. Mary Ann. Flapjack? Oh. <laughs> Blueberry. Blueberry. Ma- Buckwheat. Mary Ann, this was my friend, Mary Ann Pancake Walworth. And she told me that every pancake 
in the United States is related. And there, but there was a... <laughs> the ones at the International House of Pancakes. All right, I'm done. <laughs> even those, even those. And, and probably the most famous literary pancake. <laughs> Um, there, oh, what is this? That was your fault. <laughs> uh, uh, there is a, oh my gosh, we need to look it up. Actor Dip Sam Pancake, filmmaker Catherine Pancake, actor Sam Pancake, distant relative of writer Brees DJ yeah. Pancake. Brees, Brees, B-R-E-E-C-E-D apostrophe J, Pancake. Um, I, yeah, now I really want to talk to Anne because I want to ask her if that, first of all, is true. But I suspect, it, I mean, why would somebody tell me that if it weren't the case? All right, so here's the, the Wikipedia definition okay. of Southern okay. literature. Defined as American literature about the Southern United States or by writers from this region, characteristics, a common focus on Southern history, the significance of family, a sense of community, one's role in it. So far, that's just literature. A sense of justice, the, relig the region's dominant religion, Christianity, and the burdens, rewards religion often brings. Issues of racial tension, land and the promise it brings, a sense of social class and place, the use of the Southern dialect. That seems very um, weak. I don't know if Faulkner, does Faulkner fall on all that? I guess he does, doesn't he? Easily. But yeah. Faulkner would probably read that definition and go, yeah, that's not me. But when, when you read Eudora Welty, when you read her short stories, or you read um, Delta Welt Wedding, I, I mean, it's just imbued with, with the sense of where the South was and, and where it is now and how, or where it was when she was writing and how that's how how to best explore the the sense of what it means to be a southerner that's what it is what it means to be a southerner well that that yeah that's that's good i get that i had a question about that do you think that when you say southern writers are they necessarily geographically in that spot and do you also feel like somebody from you know poland could write a fabulous civil war novel but, or do you think that there's something inherent in somebody having been grown up in that region that that really they need to have to have an effective southern quote novel? Oh, that's a good question, Jenny. Uh, you know, I I I I think that somebody from Poland could write an academically good novel about the Civil War, but I don't think that it's in their blood and bones. And I do think it is if you've grown up in the South. Jessamine Ward is on the, that list, which is from Flavor Wire. She's African, young African-American woman, got her MFA from the University of Michigan. And, and her novels are, her one, she has a novel and a memoir. Um, and they are, they couldn't be set in any other part of, of, the, of the world, especially, or definitely not the United States. Um, I, I think Ernest Gaines is a, of course, is a Southern writer. Again, somebody, Steve's gonna, gonna accuse me of ageism or whatever, you know, doing it that way. But I'll tell you, The Family Fang by Kevin Wilson is one of my was one of my favorite novels when it came out. It's about um, a family who are performance artists. Parents are performance artists, and they've always included their children in in doing their performance art. 
and now their children are grown up and for ver they're two they have a boy and a girl and for various reasons each has come home be, you know to kind of lick their wounds but it's not southern they they didn't come home you know out of a southern sensibility and i love that book i'm just saying that when i looked when i saw that list i, I mean come on well here this list a diff a different list has um, Beloved, Toni Morrison. Herself an Ohio native is not really a Southern writer, but Beloved's study of the psychological aftermath of slavery in the post-war Midwest is deeply rooted in the Southern tradition. Yeah, I, I, would, ag I would agree with that. And that. What is that Southern tradition? What we read in the Wikipedia? Well, it, not to me, the, the, the tie I would see there is the Southern Gothic, because it doesn't seem to drip with the sensibility of place, obviously, but the when I think of like the roots of Southern writing, I guess I do conflate it with a little bit Southern Gothic and maybe a little bit too much Flannery O'Connor is bleeding in there, but that's where I see that Toni Morrison, um, that there's, um, you know, the, the supernatural elements or whatever you want to call that. Um, I hope you weren't throwing down on Flannery O'Connor because, you know, if you got a good car, you don't need Jesus no. Christ. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I want somebody to someday explain Flannery O'Connor better to me. I just, I feel like I should love her a lot more than I do, and I would love somebody to make me love Flannery O'Connor. I'm not that person. <laughs> really? First of all, I don't, I would not be a good literature teacher because that isn't how I, I don't read books to analyze them. I, it's just a very visceral connection that I have. So that would let me out altogether. Now, what, what did you ask about Flannery O'Connor? I just wondered, I just don't have a Christian or Catholic framework and supposedly there's all kinds of redemption and allegory and I just, it just doesn't speak to me. It, to me, it's very cynical, it's very, um, very sad, very, I just, I feel like I'm missing the entire, an entire element of Flannery O'Connor, and I know that there's, there's more to her than I am getting, and viscerally, I do not like spending time in Flannery O'Connor's world. I just. That's fair. I don't know if you'd call it cynical, though. Definitely painful. And I think Carson McCullers is another writer who, who like Flannery O'Connor, where, where you're dealing with oddness and deviation from the norm, and, and sometimes it's really uncomfortable to do that. And, but that just made me think maybe Kevin, maybe that's what makes Kevin Wilson a Southern writer based on this one novel, is that those people are a little off-kilter. The, the Fang family are a little off-kilter. Do you like Faulkner? Do you I, like to read Faulkner? What Faulkner do you like? As I Lay Dying, I think was wonderful. A Rose for Emily, that short story. Um, but what, what do I, what do I, what I love about Faulkner is his use of language, I, I think, and um, all of that. But there is this whole Southern Gothic tradition, and I think that Flannery O'Connor and Carson McCullers do, does absolutely fall into that. And that's not my favorite. That's not, and there's a wonderful, this is another older writer, the books are way out of print. I would love to see them brought back in print. A guy named Hamilton Basso, who is Italian-American, who wrote two novels about the South and about the Shinto, well, one of them especially, ancestor worship in the South. The, what he would call the Shinto tradition, where, you know, who, you, where you came from, who your ancestors were, is much more, important 
as he as he writes about in this novel. I did not read much literature for my trip to the South, but it was clear it was a haunted place, and it was still haunted. And it was walking down the streets, there were ghosts. I walked through a cemetery, and there were ghosts. I, we were driving down a highway, and there were ghosts. And um, that's to me the notion of a southern novel because I don't get that in other literature from other parts of America and that's that's sort of what I see imbued in some of the especially in Faulkner right uh, have you ever heard of Cain by Jean Toomer Jennifer you go um, I have heard of it and I have read it years and years and years ago one of the must reads from the Harlem Renaissance Toomer's impressionist modernist voyage from the south to the north and back again Poems, vignettes in Georgia, from Georgia. And, and I think that that's a different kind of, the, the, the Harlem Renaissance, that whole Zora Neale Hurston going north, what that experience was like um, during that time. You know, there's a wonderful nonfiction book by Isabel Wilkerson about the, about the, the, tri the trip north um, and what that was like for people. I was wondering where you think Mark Twain fits into all this. I don't think Mark Twain is a Southern writer. You're, you're, uh, you're opposed by not just Flavorwire, but Wikipedia. They put Huckleberry Finn as the, besides As I Lay Dying and Absalom Absalom, as these Southern books. I, I, I mean, they deal with a particular, Huckleberry Finn deals with a particular issue. And that issue greatly affects um, are thinking about race and race relations. I, is, it, is it a Southern novel? I, well, I'll, okay, no, I don't care. I love Flavor Wire, mm -hmm. Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, Cormac McCarthy, just because of, well, I haven't, I, I have not read Child of God. So you're gonna say just because a book's set in the South doesn't make it a Southern novel right. or a Southern writer? Right, yes. I think it just has to sort of reflect feelings and attitudes and, and, and you know, you talked about ghosts. I mean, it's the ghosts of those, you know, little girls who were killed on Bloody Sunday. It's the ghosts of Emmett Till. Um, that's all there and, and all of that stains the page or should stain the page. Alice Walker's The Color Purple. I have to think about that one. I'm not sure. A Confederacy of Dunces. Is Confederacy of Dunces a Southern novel? I'm probably the one person in the world who did not laugh at Confederacy of Dunces. I, I'm, I am embarrassed beyond belief to admit that. I just read The Color Purple, um, and I would say that with the exception of them sometimes talking about the heat, I did not get the impression that it was based in the South, necessarily. It could have been anywhere in the country, really. It just seemed more like it was in a different time. Well, I've read a lot of these books, like The Known World, Edward Jones. I would call that a, Southern, a book of the South. Would we see The, big, the Good Lord Bird? And uh, now I've never read this Reynolds Price book. Yeah, Reynolds Price, I, I think, is one of the, one of the great Southern co contemporary 20th century writers of the South. And I think the way he, he explores the characters, both male and female, is, is just wonderful. And you could say Wendell Berry, who writes about a small Kentucky town, um, 
is a southern writer in, in a sense, although the, the, it's the history of the town. It's not the kind of history, the tragic history of the South. Well, all right, so there's Interview with the Vampire. So they're just placing it there because it was set in, wasn't it set in the South? Set in New Orleans? Yeah. yeah. Read Sharon McCrum's um, Southern, those Appalachian novels. Those are just, I mean, there's nothing, I don't know if they're great literature, but um, those to me speak of the, you know, they're set in the mountains and there's there's the ghosts there and they're living in the land and of the land and the herbalists and the, the ballads that go back centuries and the mysteries are set by unpacking those ballads that have been handed down and those are just a... Um, you know, in terms of regional writing, I guess I think of, if I think of Southern writing that, I, writing, that I think of the definitions of regionalism and what makes somebody a regional writer as opposed to somebody who writes about a region. And I think that's kind of the question. I think Sharon McCrum's in those novels does that in an entertaining yeah. way. Yeah. A regional writer, I guess that to me is the difference with the Mark Twain, is that if you're of the region and the writing is in imbued with the characters and you're seeing the dignity in the characters that are there even if there's a critique of some of them as opposed to somebody who is writing about the region and puts a spin or a satirical eye or a mocking eye or a comic eye upon the region. Um, in the 19th century there were a lot of women who were writing from New England and um, it was that kind of thing they were finding the the people and the traditions and the com what we would call common folk um, and finding that a valid subject matter as opposed to somebody coming in and um, looking from the outside perspective and using them as fodder for entertainment. There's James Dickey, Deliverance. Dickey is a southerner. Is that a southern novel? Well, I have to say it was too scary for me to read. <laughs> so I can't comment on it. All right, regionalism versus regional writers or imbued in, in, as opposed to looking in so glad Jennifer brought up um, uh, Sharon McCrum because she has a whole series of mysteries set around Southern Appalachian ballads, and and they're they're just absolutely wonderful uh, mysteries and wonderful evocations of the place. You really feel that you know Appalachia, and in a different way. Going once again back to Ann Pancake, uh, you, you it's the same thing and almost the same place. The South is American literature in the right hands. Do I think of Willa Cather as a writer of the plains? So she's an American writer of the plains. I'm just trying to get a distinction between a, a southern writer and American writers. Well, you know, we love to slice and dice everything. And yeah. so, you know, it's easy to put people into categories like that and, and, and you know, Willa Cather, you know, I mean, California writers, we do talk about California yeah. writers, Joan Joe Didion, Didion. Yeah. you know, the California writer, um, but th there was a writer named um, Dan McCall who, who, you know, who explored sort of the sense of California, the end of the country, you know, where do you go? You, you, people went to California, they went west to reinvent themselves, and what do you do when you get there? Um, that kind of thing. I think every region has its has its stories. I mean, you, the 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 Rust Belt. I mean, there are wonderful wonderful novels set in 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 Akron, Ohio. One at least one wonderful novel set in Akron, Ohio. Um, 
<laughs> Actually, two by the same person, um, uh, uh, Ruth McKinney. Yeah, you know, about unionization, about what that meant, about, you know, the Southerners coming north and, and dealing with that kind of new world, Detroit. Philip Levine writing about, you know, his poetry of Detroit. And he certainly identified himself as, as I think, as a Detroit writer. So I think, you know, when we talk about the New England writers, mm -hmm. you know, the transcendentalists and what it means to be, that you know, come from that stony granite New Hampshire place. And we used to use the word, I think, local color. And I think that was a big thing. And we would find, you know, whether it's South or New England or, or the Midwest, maybe we're also recognizing that in the U.S., different experiences. No, no one experience can define Southern writing anymore. So I don't know what is American writing anymore. Yeah, hence we're hence asking it. You know, maybe American writing is any book written by an American. Well, no, because that's why you were rejecting a lot of the books know, in the Southern but, writing. But, but maybe I was wrong. Well, that's that's like yeah, American American cuisine is everything that's cooked by Americans. No, I mean there is there are choices being made. Is there a Northwest ethos? I mean, no, there's Montana writers in a school that came out of Montana. Is there a Washington ethos or a Washington Oregon ethos or an Alaska ethos? I think many people certainly believe that there's a Northwest writer who's exploring what it means to be from the Northwest. Yeah, but, but I mean, you did a nice job with, with, with California, and of course Steinbeck is that way too, right? right? right. Um, but there must be Northwest writers, but I don't know. But, but that's well, what you just gave me was a tautology, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's got to be something more, right? And, well, when we think about Northwest writers, don't we think about Ken Kesey's... Um, Sometimes a great notion. Sometimes a great notion, which, which takes sort of a local family yeah. problem, father-son relationships, and places it against the background of uh, the lumber industry yeah. and all of that. And, and so that, to me, has always been the great Northwest novel. Something about what Faulkner was doing, right? It was the language, it was the characters. They have to grapple with their history. So maybe we don't do that enough in the Northwest. And maybe that's where the new literature is emerging from those people who are doing that, looking at what happened with natives, what happened with Asian Americans. You know, consider the past. And in the West, I think it's considering the new, you know? And so that's where, that's where I think those two literatures are so divergent. And I mean, I'm just thinking about Robert Sanchez, who wrote Rabbit Boss, which was all about confronting the past, or when you end up at the end of a, when you end up with your, with your back to the continent and you're looking out at the ocean, you are, you're forced to deal with all the things that came before you. And that's why, that's what Steinbeck was, right? I thought. And then I think some of the other writers that are looking at what it, it, what it means to, what does it mean to be in the desert, dealing with these environmental issues, dealing with, um, you know, as part of the Native American tribes. What is this land? Who are you in it? And what are you going to become? Yeah, because, because people came west to forget who their parents were and to, to leave their past behind and to look out. And, and yet they couldn't, ex they couldn't escape their past. But, in, but, but in the kind of southern writers you're talking about, they can't, they're much more ensnared by the moss and the vines and, the, and all the stuff that is on the land. Right, and the heat, you know, the sort of wet, sticky heat and and you know the the history the the great loss in in the civil war 
Anybody have a favorite Southern writer that they want to shout out? Kirsten Caldwell. Well, this is a family show, Robin. I don't know that we can talk about Tobacco Road and all of that. You know, we just make these distinctions between what's what's good, you know, what, what you can write about a place and it's that's good and and Erskine Caldwell and all the sort of satires about that came out after him sort of making fun of that you know the the hired hand and the I mean when I worked at a bookstore in 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 Detroit um, we all we would get a call you know pretty much once a week from this guy and he would say "Um, do you have a copy of the book Mandingo remember that book it's about you know just a terrible terrible book and and he'd say do you have a copy of Mandingo and I would say you know no we don't and he would say well do you think you could describe the cover for me and that's all he wanted was this description of the cover which is you know the poor what (laughs) well I mean that was the cover then who knows what they've done with Mandingo but it played on racial stereotypes you know and it was the beautiful undressed scantily dressed white girl and the I mean it was just a terrible terrible book and this man would call every week and ask me to describe the cover of it it was just awful I'm leaving it there (laughs) find us at thatstackofbooks.com Thank you all. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This I thought this was great, Steve. Thanks for having your trip inspire us to talk about this. 